Welcome to this episode of Leaders Light the Path. The podcast is usually two minutes twice a week, but today we're going to invest a lot more time as we have a very special guest on the show. She's the Global Head of Leadership Academy at Allianz, one of the world's largest insurance companies. And her team has created and launched a program to upskill 18,600 leaders across the globe, from the smallest of teams to the C-suite. She's also responsible for the development of top talent inside the company. Before she joined Allianz four years ago, she's worked 16 years at PricewaterhouseCooper. She's international at heart and has worked and lived across the globe for her whole life. It's an honor to have you on the show. Welcome, Annette Libau. Hello, Michael. Nice to see you and uh, thanks for having me today. 18,600 people is a huge number and it's a diverse set of people ranging, um, ranging in their responsibilities from the smallest of teams to company-wide decision-making, uh, also spanning a vast range of cultural backgrounds uh, across the globe. How did you manage and, and what's, what's sort of the overarching theme that you try to cultivate culturally in your company through the Leadership Academy, bringing all those leaders through that academy? Well, I think the main drive really comes from the outside, which is that the environment has significantly changed, right? Since Allianz was founded um, close to 130 years ago, uh, the world has really evolved. And in, in particular, I would say in the last 10 years, we've seen complete shifts in the demands on employees and also on leaders. So we realized the way our leaders were maybe promoted, maybe identified, but also developed was no longer fit for purpose. And we really need to instill a growth mindset. For example, we need to ensure that leaders have um, the right skill set and the right mindset to, to lead their teams. And that's completely independently of where they are, how many people they lead, what responsibilities they have. They all have to have the same background understanding and ideally the same mindset. And what does that mindset look like today? So what does it look like today? Or what are we hoping, what we're striving for? I think, let, let me go back maybe one step and, and talk about the yeah. drivers that, uh, that we are finding from the outside. First of all, for the, you know, the digitization has and will significantly change the way we operate as a business. And also the skills that we need to bring on board, but also the skills our leaders need to have. Secondly, we really, um, for the first time, we have five generations working in the workforce at Allianz at the moment, mm. five. And our leaders need to work with five expectations of that very different workforce from you know, someone who's just maybe left school to someone who's on the verge of retiring. How do you manage those different sets of expectations? Yeah. Um, linking into inclusion and diversity, the cultural piece you've already mentioned, leading a global team, leading a culturally diverse team. Um, how, do you, how do you work with, um, with the inclusion piece? Um, Black Lives Matter, we've seen so many things that are linked to that topic coming up most recently. And, um, and probably also lastly, the, the kind of what we call the new will of the world, which means much more expectations on the purpose of the company. And, mm. and leaders in the past have not really been equipped 
to do that, not sufficiently anyway, and they weren't prepared to do that. And we've seen this in, in various data points. So the, the drive was really clear. We need to upskill our leaders to lead in towards that, that common goal of having, having a mindset and, and sufficient skills to really be able to do that. I'm, I'm saying not across the board, I'm not saying everybody um, didn't have that, but we really, the data showed us it's not enough. We're a very expert-based culture, and I think that's what makes Allianz very, very yeah. strong, um, which means that the best actuary was promoted to be the team leader, and the best finance guy was made the CFO to lead teams to really drive the business but that wasn't always, they weren't always identified because of their very strong leadership skills. So yeah. to balance that out, we created um, Hashtag Lead, which is the, the program that all 18,600 people leaders are currently going through at the moment. And that is really to instill, instill this new skill set and instill also the mindset that you just asked about. And I can mm. talk a little bit about that as well. Allianz is a very diverse company. It's uh, it's 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 grown through acquisition. So we have a set of local cultures. We have a set of of different cultures from the businesses, and that's that's something we are fully respectful of. So we don't want everybody to act in the same way, but we believe strongly that there has to be a commonality amongst all those leaders. Yeah. Um let me pick up on one thing that you mentioned, the will of the world and the belief in the purpose of the company. Because I feel that that's something that's a huge shift in, in how companies are run today. I mean, when we think back at the time of our grandparents, leadership was largely let's call it command and control. Basically, the leader told told their team what to do and the team was expected mm -hmm. to follow along. Um, that changed with our parents and in their time, it, it, it was something like carrot and stick so that, 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 that leaders used incentives um, either by, by force or by using candy or s something like that to, to incentivize people to sort of push or pull them towards the direction they wanted them to go in. But it, it really feels like times have changed there. And you, you, you've mentioned that you've also got data backing. So that's not just a feeling that But the data from, from inside and probably also outside of your mm -hmm. company, company shows that, that that's really a thing that, that's happening. That's not what, what current teams work the best at. Because um, and it's much, much rather shifted in, in what, what probably I, I'm calling the, the lighting the path approach that people mm -hmm. and, and leaders make, make their teams see the direction and light the paths towards the towards the direction so that they choose to follow that direction in what way are leaders in in alliance when when they get out of that leadership academy um lighting the path for your for their teams and and, and incorporating that change of mindset that we are witnessing so obviously this program is not going we're not intending to fix our leaders we're rather <laughs> trying to inspire them and to to you know make them aware of of the roles and and also the responsibility they carry and also of the changing expectations to them as leaders coming both from obviously our business strategy so what's expected the new purpose um of alliance the strategy but also bottom up from their teams. They want leaders who inspire them. They want leaders who respect them, who make, who empower them, who make them thrive. And um, 
the most of the feedback we are getting from the data you just mentioned is also that um, leaders are getting there, but we're not there yet. So we have some some great um, examples of leaders who who are excelling at it, but we also have you know we have those leaders who are who are maybe who need a little bit more help. So again, I, I don't want to generalize. I want to kind of instill that it, it, we're on the way and we're not we're not going to change the world through a training program. Rather, I think instilling and, and helping them understand this is your role in it and giving you little tools and tips and also a way to network with peers to identify and, and help them solve their day-to-day -day issues, but also how can they bring the purpose across? How can they empower their teams more um, than, than the command and control style uh, that you just described and mm -hmm. and this is where we use um, we also use techniques um, we use psychometric tools like for example the leadership styles which is a very simple a way to kind of understand that there are different styles to lead one of them being the very directive style the one that I think you just mentioned um, mm -hmm. the, the classical one that kind of command and control type there's a coaching style um, there's a pace setting style and all of them have their validity. None of them is wrong, but it depends on the type of person you're leading and it depends on the context. And we want to help our leaders realize that there are different types of leadership styles that apply to different roles and different people and help them experiment with those and see how they, how, what the reaction is of the team. Um, and I think this is this is one of the instruments we're using to help leaders reflect on that. It's not rocket science, but it's a very helpful and powerful tool. If, if I get that right, you are sort of the role model for for what you envision leadership to become by not not by forcing that, not by fixing them as you as you um, put it, but by inspiring them and showing them a path forward that might be an alternative, and that. That when 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 we manage to 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 make it obvious how that how that kind of leadership helps teams perform in a way that that's more current to to our society and that's more in line to to what society develops a, as a whole as a culture. Yeah, and I think what maybe another another example I can give on that one is is the the topic of strength based leadership. So we strongly believe, again, based on the assumption that we're not trying to fix people, but we're trying to work with their strengths, is we are asking every leader to take the, the strengths finder uh, diagnostic, which identifies the top five strengths of each individual and reflecting on that, what do they bring and how do they work with that? Um, and, and this is the first step is, is the, the step of self-awareness which quite often is an eye-opening moment for them because they realize, wow, I work with that. But every strength also has a shadow. So, you know, the sun shines and then there's a shadow. So for example, I, I'll use mine, for example. Mine is one of my top five strengths is, um, is positivity. I have a very, very strong positivity in me. And the shadow of that is that I can sometimes come across as a little bit naive. Um, so not very critical, but rather looking at, you know, everything has a positive side. So just trying to help them reflect using a strength-based approach that there is, that there's a talent in each and every one of them that they can unleash. 
as leaders, but also the same applies to their teams, obviously. So really trying to help them. What are the strengths that you have in the team? What are the talents that you have? If they're too homogeneous, sometimes that can create a little bit of a groupthink, mm-hmm. linking back to diversity. And um, and then working working with those leaders to to help them work with a strength-based approach within their teams, working on what's the best role, what can each and every individual do, where, where can they be at their best to also, you know, bring productivity up. For example, efficiency, make people also more happy and satisfied because we know engagement figures go up when people use their strengths and not so down. It, seem, it, it seems that empathy plays a major role in your approach, both mm-hmm. towards, towards yourself, being aware of, of the person who I am and how I feel in, in, in a given moment, how I'm perceived by others, and also empathy towards others. Um, I can imagine that the past year, who, who was difficult and, and, and weird for, for many of us, mm-hmm. and who has ma- made building connections and relationships much harder for many of us, how has that affected this approach of, of using empathy to become a leader that is more aware of himself, but also about the needs of their team. And that's that's a path I think we're on at the moment. We, one of the core principles when we defined what what we wanted to achieve with hashtag lead this initiative, but also with the leadership academy, is that leaders need to have the EQ. That's the kind of that's the technical know-how but they also need to develop, um, sorry, the IQ, and they also need to develop their EQ. And one large part of that is is having that empathy, helping them um, and, their, and their teams feel psychological, psychologically safe um, and developing a, a stronger sense for what is it that I need to bring? What is it my team expects of me? In particular, I think what you're referring to is the pandemic, where work and 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 the personal life have really morphed into one. Right? Um, yeah. I could have my husband walking behind me. We've had examples of people who who didn't feel comfortable turning on their camera, um, not because they were camera shy, but because they sometimes thinking of people who live in India who work in a call center. They sometimes share a, a room, a, a tiny house with a large family, and they just don't feel comfortable to open up and share their very humble lives with, with their peers and their colleagues. And I think this has placed such a, um, it's, it's, such a, it's such a struggle or such a challenge for leaders who had, you know, had no idea how to navigate that. So... I remember one one program we ran last year, which is a program on uh, on virtual leadership, where one of the key moments was when leaders across the world, completely different backgrounds, exchanged in small groups on techniques they used to make their teams more comfortable opening up, sharing, turning on their camera, for example, and the pride they took when they realized that they were able to create a psychological safe, safer environment. Yeah. I mean, but leaders that, aren't leaders aren't. That's not that's that's not the classical role of a leader that our parents, grandparents, or you know, even we probably knew when we entered the workforce. Yeah. 
feeling seen and heard is important for everyone and it's also mm -hmm. it's just as important for the people on our team they're not just there to provide the results we are we are in in the responsibility of enabling and and, and forming the environment that they can can deliver the results and be the best version right. of the, of yeah. them themselves yeah. and and it's and part of that is you've you've mentioned in 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 a conversation we've had before that mental health is really important and near and dear to your heart, which, which is very close to what, what, what you just mentioned. Um, um, how, how do you enable or, or open up your, your leadership team to, to have that on their radar and to really be conscious about, um, about the mental health of their teams and uh, crafting that safe space that, that you just mentioned? Yeah, I think no silver bullet here, unfortunately. Um, I think the topic of mental health has finally found its way into companies and leadership. Um, we are seeing in particular with the pandemic, in particular with the press as well, being open and, and sharing more around mental health and the, the toll the pandemic is taking not just physically on people but especially mentally we've seen a rise in um, a strong demand for psych psychology um, for therapy also amongst children and i think that's helping from the outside to drive it we are running campaigns on mental health um, to raise awareness on what is available to our employees what is available to our leaders we have um, we have strong networks. We also have partners, external partners we work with. But we're also trying to help leaders understand that they can and there are mechanisms for them to help their employees. They will not replace the external coach or the therapist, but they can help create an environment and shape an environment where employees feel safe to share as much as they want when they have mental health issues. I think there's many techniques. One, let me, let me just share a couple of examples. One of them is is something I'm a very simple technique I'm using with with my team at the moment um, that I I saw and 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 I also used for myself in in the, with with my previous team. It's um it's the two words. So I think Brené Brown, um, you may know Brené Brown. She she recommended this technique is that everybody on the team, we have a morning call, shares two words about how they are feeling on that day. And again, it's up to each individual to find those two words. So it can be as personal, as intimate as you want it to be. And, you know, sometimes my words would be, um, we had something before Christmas where we just realized I, I realized I was exhausted so my final my my two words were exhaustion and final push um, before we were all going to on the break and I think this is also one of the things I'm trying to instill is as a leader you have to start opening up about that as well and then your team will follow and if you show vulnerability and if you show that you are also not perfect, you also have mental health issues, everybody has, it's just being open and transparent. And again, divulging as much as you feel comfortable 
others will follow. And um, I think I'm, I've been very transparent about this. I had a, I had a very serious illness. I had suffered from breast cancer three years ago. And I very openly shared this with my team. I very openly, I did not wear a wig, I wore a turban, which kind of made evident that, you know, it wasn't a fashion turban. And I openly shared my story in an interview on our intranet. And I think one of the reactions I got was, was amazing, was that it was a letter written by someone I'd never met, a handwritten letter to show compassion and empathy and offer me help. And this person has now become a, a dear friend. And I, I you know, I, I'm not one of the most senior leaders in the organization, but I think I can influence with sharing my story by going on to, um, I'm going into leadership teams at the moment to talk about mental health, to help leaders understand how important their role is in creating that safe environment and, and helping their teams I'm, I'm really trying to, to drive as much as possible um, this topic and, and yeah, starting to make other leaders comfortable to, to address the topic. And there's a lot of techniques out there. This is the one I chose and find very useful, but I would say it's about starting to show vulnerability yourself. And we're actually yeah. also creating a podcast series on mental health at the moment. Um, yeah, I think that that's another big shift, shift in leadership. Um, Traditionally, a leader was expected to be the strong person, the the, mm -hmm. the 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 person that that isn't isn't allowed to show weaknesses. Mm -hmm. But 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 I think nowadays we see see more and more examples where where the opposite might be just as true, if not if not 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 more valuable for for, for the team where where we where we as a leader lead by example, not not just in being the one who 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 goes first, but also the one who is open to sharing sharing the situations where they themselves struggle and, and may have difficulties in finding their situations. And our teams may get strength out of that um, just by seeing how you, as a human being, who's just as vulnerable as, as myself as a team member is, how you as a human being deal with those situations. How, how is it possible to to find this 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 open space when, when we when we have so little opportunity to meet in person? I mean, it's it, it's one thing to to, yeah. to to be close to each other and and having the possibility to probably even have a hug with someone, but that's just not possible when we are both two only two squares on a screen. Um, how, how do you find? The, the the nearness the closeness to 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 open up in in that remote world i think it's through various things again no silver bullets it's it's building up relationships and that takes time so you don't have that level of intimacy obviously when you meet someone for the first time um but i would say as a leader again we have to be the ones to start that and we can be the ones to start build up that intimacy by starting to share something personal about ourselves um, but also taking time to meet with others because every single conversation we're having at the moment has its purpose its agenda has a fixed time slot and two little boxes on the screen yeah only not all our senses are are used 
So right now the sense of smell isn't there. Um, you know, I can, I have to look mm -hmm. into the camera. I can't really look at you because there's no camera behind the screen yet. All of those things. And you see my body language, but you only see me up to here, right? You, you, you don't, you can't get a full impression of me and what I bring. And I think that is, that is definitely the screen is in a way is, is between you and me and is, is a barrier we have, we have to overcome. I don't think we will ever be fully able to overcome it because every single interaction, every single piece of communication we're having is so intentional and we're missing that. We're all missing that. I believe one of the, one of the ways we can start to fuel this intimacy, this relationship, for example, I, I onboarded a, a, a new team, team member last week, or this week she just started, is whenever possible, I took, well, I took her for a walk, and uh, this was before she started, just because I thought, we need, we need to see one another. And then one of the things we, we found out and we laughed about is she's extremely tall, and I'm average, I would say. So it's it's just one of the things you would not know. I would have worked with her for the last, you know, for probably six months when over the screen without knowing her, I would not have known. I would not have known that she needs to put books under her table because her table is too low to be able to have, you know, an ergonomically yeah. fitting screen. And I think whenever we can meet in person where it's safe, go for a walk, fresh air, that's, that's obviously... The, the difference was huge. Now, if that's not possible, my view is interact frequently every day, also with a non-intentional chat. So we try and have daily coffee chats with the whole team for 15 minutes just to check in how everybody's doing. And then every now and then we would do this two-word exercise but also just generally, how are people doing? What's coming up? Um, who's going on holiday, if possible? Um, it, it just giving space for those non-intentional uh, conversations and also yeah. having fun. So we try and play games again every now and then. Um, one person on the team selects a game and plays the game master, something we do we don't do regularly enough and not often enough, but we try and laugh and have fun and have some lighthearted ways as well to celebrate success or to just yeah, be with one another. And create shared experiences, yeah. things, things that are sort of common to us and that, that, that define us as sort of, a, yeah, is it, is it pathetic to call it a family um, that, that, that it feels that it, that it feels that, that gives a feeling of belonging and, and, and bonds belonging. that are probably that are probably stronger than uh, than just having that common business goal mm -hmm. and, and, and it's not that it, it matters and that it defines you as a person how tall you are but it's still the details that that make it individual that make it specific to your team it's it's not any team it's your team mm-hmm does that play a role? It, yeah, it, it does. I think business plays a role, right? We're not there. We're not going to work because we want to um, be sure. better people, but because we, in the end, right, we have, we have a job. We, 
you know, we need money to survive, to live, to feed our families, to uh, go on holiday, to be able to you know, live. Um, but we also want, we're spending so much time at work, right? Um, that we want to spend it, or at least I, for me, want to spend it in an environment where I feel belonging, where I feel I can make a difference. That's important to me. And everybody will have a slightly different spin on that. Um, some will go to work because they that's their, it's just so inspiring for them. It's something they've always wanted to do. So it's more of a calling. For others, it's more a career. And for others, it's more of a job. And sometimes that oscillates on this spectrum. Yeah. The, the irony is that, that by having that experience, we might be just be better able to do our business and our jobs. And, and, and circling that back to where you, where you started that, but with the will of the world, it's just, just what, 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 what we experience in, in other parts of the world, that, that just, just being more human or being allowed to be more human allows us to, to be also better at doing our business and doing our job because we see why we we have a stronger sense for why we are doing that and we have 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 more ambition to actually be part of that whole and not just doing what someone else told us to do or commanded us mm -hmm. to do and i think also when we see people on the team who may not be performing who may have for one reason or the other not been able to deliver on time um, i think creating that safe environment allows us to have a conversation around the why why that's happening and not giving someone a bad performance rating and saying you you know you haven't you haven't delivered but being able to have a level-eyed transparent open communi communication around what's going on and identifying the underlying issues in in almost a coaching style that are affecting um, this person and that are, you know, we, we can help them with up to a certain level, of course, but we can try and make make that conversation a, a more valuable one and then again, create more engagement. We, we probably can all see how that works when, when we are working with our direct team, but that gets mm -hmm. probably much more difficult when we're thinking of like C-suite executives who have to who have probably the same goal of, of creating a safe environment, but who aren't in direct reach of the people they are trying to reach. So what's different for them and how can we, can we support or, or how probably does your leadership academy support them in, with, with tools and approaches to, to make that happen, even if we don't have direct relationships or direct contact to the people we are interacting with or engaging? And that's a very good question. And we're on the way there as well. Um, we, I think as an organization, Allianz is, is, is very big. It's 155,000 people. So a lot of those senior leaders have to lead indirectly. And I think their role is, is also changing. So we're seeing more and more, um, requests and asks for our senior leadership to appear not just by writing a letter every quarter but also by you know being present for all employees and and so one of the that this is not something i'm i'm currently working on but something that i've seen and that i'm very pleased to see is that we have um our ceo 
has a session on a regular basis called Ask Me Anything, where he would be uh, hosting a, a talk just like this. Everybody can join and he immediately responds to questions. It's very in interactive. We're also um, working on, on creating a series for to showcase our senior leaders and help them um, talk, not help them, but have them talk about, about relevant topics that matter to, again, from a global perspective, that matter to this global audience. Most recently, we ran a series on what we call the new work model, which is the new way of working. It touches on various points. It touches on, on the topic of customer, of digital, but it also talks about resilience, building resilience. And we are, just like you're having with me, we're having conversations with those senior leaders. And these are being, you know, these conversations are really intended to make, make those senior leaders more approachable, more, have them have direct interaction with potentially 155,000 people. And I think this is just trying to get them closer using, using mm -hmm. digital means, using um, camera, using uh, the chat function. And this, in the past, this wasn't possible because we did yeah. not use that digital function this much. And now everybody's, everybody's on the same, in the same boat, right? You, everybody's using technology to communicate. And yeah. I can have an interaction with the CEO in the same way. And that, that wasn't possible in the past. And now everybody's invited to those, to those town halls. And I think this is one of the ways I've seen, um, I would say the barrier, the, the hierarchy breaking down a little bit and, and making them more approachable. Yeah, that's certainly something that's not going to to go away when when the pandemic is going away. It's mm -hmm. it's it's been a huge push in those in those areas, and it's enabled great things like you just mentioned um, to, to in in getting closer to to people that we wouldn't be normally able to reach. Mm -hmm. So that that that's a very interesting aspect that that you just mentioned. Um. Let me close with with a final question, which I'm curious about because I'm because it's just so near and dear to, to my heart. Um, so, what would be a leader that lighted the path for you, and in what what way was that? It's probably not one. It's probably many, but it's probably my first boss ever. Um, I was an intern in New York in in the late '90s. And it's, it's a lady called Carol, who was the head of HR at the time in, in this, it, it was with Pricewaterhouse. And she trusted me. She, I was an intern, I was German, I had no idea about American culture. I came in through the back door and I was looking for an internship in New York because my first one fell through. And I was recommended, I had one talk with her and she said, I like what you bring, I trust you, you will do the job. And I was an intern there for almost a year. And even though I was just an intern, I was barely 20. She trusted me, she empowered me, she gave me really exciting um, topics to work on. Mm. 
and remember this was late 90s so this was still a very different environment it was yeah. and we've stayed close ever since and we still catch up on a regular basis i go to see her whenever i can travel i i go and see her and and i think she's she was she showed me what a great leader can do unleashing someone who's you know a raw a raw talent i wouldn't call myself a talent but someone who's still you know very young very junior and help them grow and and really identify what they're good at working with their strengths so she already displayed for me back then a lot of those skills we're trying to instill with with our people okay that, that that's a beautiful story and unleashing instead of enforcing um yes. Uh, the, the potential that that was inside of you and that that you were able to showcase mm -hmm. um thanks a lot for for letting us into to your experiences and showing us how alliance is handling this different situation uh, this difficult situation and how it is developing leadership towards a, a more human approach um and and that that's that's uh, in line with what you call the will of the world it's been a pleasure thanks for being on the show Annette. thank you If you liked this episode, please share it with someone who needs to hear this and consider subscribing to my blog at leaderslightthepath.com.